I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, welcome along to a brand new writer's routine. This week, we're chatting to Nick Petrie over in the States. He's just released his sixth Peter Ash novel. It's called The Breaker. Now, we talk about the bulletin boards and the index cards that let him know what he's actually up to that day, where he is, what he's doing. Uh, also, how he works with being a fairly slow writer, but also needing to publish a book a year. Uh, and you can hear how the first draft is almost his final draft. By the time I get to the last sentence in the book, um, I really only need about two weeks to tune up the, to tune up the manuscript because I, I really am doing a constant revision process. So um, on, the, on, the, on the cutting edge of the manuscript, I'm working forward. You know, my goal is to, is to work forward as quickly as I can to get to the next piece of the story or to, to work through some challenging aspect that's right in front of me or to write the fight scene or to write the argument between my hero and, and his sweetheart. And I'm just trying to get to, to move forward quickly and to do it, to do it as well as I can but it's easy for me to obsess about, well, that sentence isn't quite right or that word isn't quite right. There is more on the way with Nick Petrie in this week's Writer's Routine. Yes, hello. Welcome to the show. My name's Dan. It's uh, This is Writer's Routine. It's where we take a look inside the working day of some of the most successful authors to see how they get stuff done, to see how they plan their day to get the plot and the words out. This week, uh, it's Nick Petrie. It's all about his new novel, the sixth Peter Ash book. It's The Breaker. Now, we were a little bit tight on time in the recording. Nick had a busy, busy, busy day. He was over in the States. Crystal clear quality, by the way, for someone in the States. I mean, I've interviewed people in London before, and the uh, sound is way worse than someone who was out in the Midwest like Nick. But he had a busy, busy, busy day. Uh, so uh, we didn't kind of get time to, to cover everything that I wanted to. So this chat is mainly routine rather than book. But hey, I imagine that's why you're here. It's called writer's routine after all. So we, we go into that in good detail. But I mean, to, <laughs> Nick needs to sell some books. So to make up for it, let me tell you all about it. Uh, it's the sixth one. It's The Breaker. It's about Peter Ash who tangles with dangerous enemies and terrifying technology. It's an award-winning series. Peter is a war vet with PTSD who travels around the States stumbling into mysteries that only a man with his skills can solve. In the new one, Peter is wanted by two governments. He's leading a simple life 
out of the way, keeping his head down. But when a mysterious armed man walks into a crowded market, he knows that he can't just do nothing. I thought I gave that gravitas, thank you. That's the setup to it. You can hear how he got it done this week on the show. We talk thoroughly about his day and his writing setup, also about his bulletin board, the thick writing pens as well that let him know what's happening, what he needs to do. Uh, we also chat through the writing routine of a year so that he knows he's in good shape to, to knock off a book every 12 months. Knock off a book like it's easy. Uh, and we also chat about his inner drill sergeant too. So that's all happening this week. Uh, and we kick things off, as we always do, with what Nick Petrie sees around him in the place where he sits down to write. Uh, a lot of books, um, for sure. Some of my books, but also the, the books that have meant a lot to me over the years. Um, I've got uh, some of uh, some original art up, which is important to me. Um, I actually had the, the, a piece I really love, which my wife made. My wife is an artist, uh, and, and she she's not that fond of it, but it's it's something that she did as part of an exercise where um, you basically take a paintbrush and and using the largest arm movements you can, you 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 uh, make a pattern very quickly on a piece of paper, and that is a real reminder to me of uh, kind of how writing should be when you do it well, which is less thinking, more pushing forward, sort of getting into uh, your unconscious mind a little more. So that's on the walls all around you. Take me to your desk now. Sometimes I'm amazed at the kind of the sturdy oakiness of a writer's desk. It can be quite romantic. Talk me through yours. Oh, my goodness. Well, I do not have a sturdy oak desk. I wrote on a card table until uh, about 10 months ago. Um, and I finally bought myself uh, an adjustable desk. This was a big splurge for me. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a very frugal person. I've been self-employed pretty much my whole adult life. So um, uh, this is a, a desk with uh, a motor in it. So you can raise it up to work as a standing desk or you can drop it down to uh, some other, you know, whatever uh, level you're comfortable with. It's got a, uh, a thick bamboo top uh, and it's always a mess. There's, there's, uh, I, I have... Uh, note cards that I scribble uh, notes on, and some of those make it up to the bulletin board on the far wall. Uh, some of those end up in the recycling bin. I have a, a, uh, a coffee cup filled with uh, fountain pens. I love to collect fountain pens. Um, I have a couple of expensive ones. I mostly have cheap ones. Um, I write, I've got my, uh, my journal. I use a, a Moleskine journal that uh, Sometimes I, I work on the laptop, but when I, that's not going well, I, I go to writing by hand because you use a different muscle when you are actually have a, have a writing implement between your fingers. It's actually a different part of your brain. Uh, and I've also got a big artist pad that I use for uh, making diagrams. My, my work is very physical, and so I, I often will, you know, draw a floor plan or... Um, you know, I, I'm the latest is a, the, I'm, the new book I'm working on takes place in farm country. And so I, I, I did a, a rough diagram of a farmyard so that I could visualize where people were and what was happening. Um, and I also use that when I'm trying to find the next piece of the story. I, you know, because I on a, on a big pad without any lines, I can draw arrows to connect ideas. Um, I, I once showed it to my my agent and she she I shouldn't have because I think now she believes I'm, I'm insane. Uh, which isn't wrong. She's not wrong about that. But, uh, you know, what, whatever you got to do to uh, keep the story coming out, that's kind of my philosophy. You mentioned the bulletin board there. 
how, how does that look? So me as it's to someone who's not connected with your writing day, if I were to walk in and see your bulletin board, would it make any sense to me? Or is it kind of a, a, a cobbled together uh, some ideas that really only make sense to you? Uh, that's actually a really great question, Dan. Um, it, it depends on where I am in the writing process. So um, uh, right now I'm about a third of the way into the new book and it, it's a it's a jumble uh, and a mess. Uh, at a certain point, I really clean all of that up. I, I really have to, and that's actually coming up, uh, I think when I'm done with this tour, um, I really make a pass through the bulletin board and it's a, it's a big bulletin board. It's, it's four feet by six feet. Um, and it's covered with, um, three by five index cards in various colors of, uh, Sharpie pen that I can see from, you know, eight feet away. So it's, it's big, it's big, uh, writing, but at a certain point I, I, I kind of clean it all up and I, I start, uh, putting scenes that I've already written. I don't really plan ahead. It really is a way to kind of remind me of what I've, what I've done and a way to see the proportions. So, oh, is it is it time to, to write this in a different point of view? When was the last time I went back to that, you know, piece of the story? What does it say? What kind of things does it say on the index card, just as an example? Uh, well, let's see. Right, right now, I've got one that says uh, Helene, who's a female character. Helene is a frog in a pot, and Roy is turning up the heat. Uh, I have one that says... Um, Police get involved in Act Two? Question mark. You know, so it's. Uh, let's see. I've got another one uh, that says a whole new set of molecules. I'm not sure what the hell that means, but but I like it. And and the different um, the different coloured sharpies. What does that indicate to you? Uh, you know, it used to indicate something, and I'm not sure it does anymore. Um, I I think it it just it, it's become kind of a, a way to have it be a, a less monochromatic. Uh, I've got blue, red, green, and black, and I find I, it used to be all black, and I, I found it. I, I was just trying to entertain myself by using different colors. I think the the red tends to be a little bit more uh, action, emotion uh, stuff. Um, the green, I'm just kind of looking at it right now. The green tends to be a little bit more about uh, emotion, sort of what emotions am I trying to evoke? Now you've pretty much taken us right through the room. I just, you, you did mention sometimes you write by hand, other times on the screen. When we're on the screen, and this is where things get quite niche, Nick. Um, I, I love that you're diving into these details. I, this is fantastic. Thank you. That's all right. Because um, th this is this is what I'm interested in. These are the questions that I ask other writers. So I, this is great. Yeah, well, I'm I'm, I'm glad I'm glad that you're on board. So on on the screen, um, what software are you using? And more importantly, do you have any font opinions? <laughs> Um, I, I use Word. Um, I, I am not an Apple person. I'm a, I'm a Microsoft person, not because I have a bias, but because it's what I've been using forever. And um, the, the, uh, the key movements, the keys, the keys are different on an Apple keyboard, and, and uh, I don't want to have to retrain myself. Um, so um, I, I do have friends who use Scrivener. Um, again, I... I, I'm sure it has some benefits. It's just I, I've been I've been writing for so long using this stuff that I don't really want to mess up my mojo. Um, and and what about the typeface, Nick? Oh well, I, I I don't really have any typeface opinions. Although I used to write in 
uh, Times New Roman. Uh, and then every time I sent something to my editor, it came back in Calibri. So now I just write in Calibri. Okay. Yeah, that probably cuts out a nice middleman there. Um, and is it just is it just one document that you're writing on? Do you have a, a folder full of things that you you know move across different drafts, that kind of stuff? Uh, yeah, I have a bunch of different drafts, a bunch of different uh, documents. Um, so I, I have the the main document, and at the beginning, at the top, is all the possible titles that occur to me. Um, and then I have a couple of of things that I sort of set out for myself. You know, I, I kind of uh, give myself a challenge for every book, or a couple of challenges for every book. Um, which is sort of like setting an intention in a way. Um, and, and then I, you know, I sort of launch into the story. Um, and I also have a document that's my beat line, which is sort of, um, sort of what I've done to date and, and maybe thinking ahead a little bit. And these, these all there's, they're very incestuous. These, these are the two main documents, but they, you know, there's, there's a little bit of everything in, in each of them. And, and, and I'm not crazy about that piece of my process because, um, it's, it's a, it's, it's not as organized as I would like it to be. Um, so sometimes when I'm working on the beat line, something, you know, d dialogue will show up or the plot will begin to get, you know, the story will start to get much more specific and I'll, I'll start actually writing inside that, that, you know, kind of beat line, uh, uh place. And, and sometimes in the, in the main document, I, I will start, uh, I'll start planning ahead as well. And so it's, it's, uh, it's not super organized, but I'm a, I'm a pantser. I, I'm not a. I'm not a plotter or a planner. The only. The only, uh, real plan work I do is is in retrospect. I develop, the outline of what I've already done so that it's easier to to keep track and to see where I've been. Um, I, you know, if I'm if I, I might have a couple of big ideas that are going to show up down the road, um, uh, but that that doesn't always happen that way. Uh, and, and so I'm, I'm just, I'm winging it every day. I think like a lot of writers, I'm kind of superstitious. Um, I, I have tried to work differently and, and, uh, it, it was the hardest project I've ever done. My, my last book, the wild one, um, was the, that the whole book sort of showed up in my head in the, in the, the Reykjavik airport in Iceland. Um, and and I, I blew my deadline by eight months, you know, sort of trying to stick with this sort of big idea I had. And usually I start with a, a situation and I just write forward. Um, and, I, you know, for a long time, I really thought that like grown up writers wrote outlines. You know, they started with outlines. And I, I know lots of writers who work that way and, and they just roll their eyes when I talk about kind of my process. But but for me, working working. Uh, you know, from, from an outline or, or too much of a plan, I just lose interest. It gets boring. It gets, uh, you know, I already know what's going to happen. And so it, it's hard for me to stay interested. Um, to me, you know, that writers talk a lot, certainly writing classes talk a lot about finding your voice. And I think for, for uh, a beginning writer that that's important to, to, you know, figure out the way that you, that you want to tell a story to figure out the way that you like to uh, you know, work with your characters, um, but in a way, that's it's just sort of inevitable that you will that you will find that. To me, I think that the more important thing is to find your process, to find a way to work that works for you. Because you know, I, I'm lucky enough that I mean, this is my sixth book that, that's coming out now, The Breaker, and 
and uh, it's the sixth in a series. And, you know, my publisher wants a book every year and I am not a naturally speedy writer. Um, but to, to find the way that you can successfully work is really what's, imp you know, to even just to get to, you know, from the first sentence to, you know, the last sentence of your first draft of your first novel, to find a way to make that happen is really important because I think a lot of people get bogged down in, um, you know, they're always correcting stuff they've written and they never get past the, the first the first act of the, of the book or they get bogged down in the messy middle and, and uh, you know, they, they can't quite bring themselves to push it forward. So I, I'm, I'm a big fan, uh, actually, of conversations like this, of really uh, figuring out how you work best and how you can uh, make your best work and, and, and move, the, move the dang story forward. Well, let's break down your process then in two ways, I think. First, we'll do the writing routine of a day. So, Nick, just t talk us through the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed on a day when you are sat down to write. Well, on a, a good day, so I, I, try to work, I try to work five days a week. I tend to work six days a week as the deadline gets closer. And as it gets even closer, I'm often working seven days a week. So, um, but so on a, on, a, on a good day when I don't have to get up and, and do uh, other chores, family care, sort of any of this other stuff, I have older parents that, that I'm, uh, I'm part of their care process. Um, so, but on a, on a good day, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm up by 7, 7.30. I uh, do a few exercises to kind of get the blood flowing. Um, I meditate uh, as well, which I have found long-term is really helpful um, just to, uh, you know, kind of help with, it helps with focus. It helps with uh, sort of uh, quieting that uh, inner critic, which is a particularly noxious uh, uh, critic for me. Um and then I, I make a cup of coffee and I make breakfast, which is either oatmeal or peanut butter on toast usually. Um, and I carry them up to my office and I open the document. I've got, uh, my, I, I have a laptop, but I've also got two uh, added screens that are, that are vertical mounted to my desk. Um, and usually I put uh, the main document on the left and I put the uh, my beatline document on the right. Um, although not always, sometimes I, I'm just working on the main document until I need the beatline. Um, and that's actually not even every day. Uh, and then I, and then I, I put my lean back in my chair and I put my feet up and I, I, I'm not, I don't allow myself to listen to a podcast. I love podcasts. So I'm kind of a junkie, but my rule is I can't do that until I'm done with my work for the day. Um, I don't look at social media. Uh, I don't read the paper. I don't, you know, I, I, you know, the, the goal is to, to just let my brain percolate a little bit through, through all of those activities. And I, then I get to my desk and I put my feet up and I eat my breakfast and I drink my coffee and, and I look at the document and, and I look at, I start with kind of where I, where I began the previous day or maybe two days before, depending on how satisfied I was with what I did. And I just sort of stare into space and I look out the window and I look at the document and, and before too long, I find a sentence that could be better uh, or a paragraph that could be rearranged or I see a place where, you know, that, you know, I need to add some emotion here. This isn't what, what's he feeling? That's what, this is flat because 
I need more emotion here. Uh, and I, and I, and I, and I, and I, you know, grab the keyboard and, and I, I start to tinker. And that's really how I enter into, um, the workday. And it's really easy to get distracted. It's really easy to, um, uh, allow myself to fall into all of the other things there are to do. I, I always have a long chore list. I also, you know, there are also things that are, uh, you know, you get more of a dopamine hit uh, on Twitter than you do, uh, you know, that when you're when you're trying to find a way into the next scene. Um, but long term, you know, I, I, I like my life as a writer. And so I, I want that to be successful. And so I basically just, you know, I kind of have some rules for myself about about how my day is going to go. Uh, and, and then I, I, I work for a while and I, I spend the first hour plus probably revising what I wrote the day before. Uh, and then I start in on kind of what the next, where the next, uh, what the next chunk of the book is. Um, and I, I, my goal is to use a, you know, roughly a thousand words a day. And, I, and some days are, are, you know, 700 words and some days are 1800 words, but, um, and then, you know, at a certain point I get up, I make another cup of coffee and I go back to work. And then at a certain point, which is usually, you know, sometime between one and two, um, I'll, I'll get up and make lunch and, uh, I'll go for a walk and then I'll get back to, I'll get back to the desk and I'll, depending on how much I've gotten done. So if, if I'm at, if I'm at 1400 words by two o'clock, um, then I knock off for the day and I go for a longer walk. Um, and I maybe do some things that are a little fun, right? I want to reward myself for that amount of focus and discipline. Um, you know, and, and maybe, maybe I'll also balance my checkbook or do something that's not so fun that's on my chore list. Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out for a chance to win the French Open title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV, live in HD. Don't miss a moment with daily live coverage and match replays on demand, beginning Monday, May 20th. Be there for all the unforgettable moments. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Let me just quickly butt in here. Uh, we'll get back to Nick in just a sec. 
I want to just remind you of ways that you can help out this show. I think this is our 150th, maybe something like that, 150, 160. We've done a few episodes now over the last few years. Uh, And if in any of them, you have learned something which has helped the way that you write your stories, how you plan your day to get your words out in the best possible way that suits your life. If we have helped that at all, you can just give a little bit our way by means of saying thank you. Uh, Do that over on our Patreon page. It's patreon.com forward slash writers routine. Uh, and it doesn't need to be a lot, please. I mean, it's been a it's been a tough year, and you know I'm British, so I'm a little bit uncomfortable even saying this. But anything is seriously welcome. Just a dollar or so a month, a quid or so a month, just really helps us carry on. It helps us keep bringing you chats with the most successful authors around as often as possible. I think apart from Christmas, we haven't missed a Friday in about a year or so, uh, and I'd love that hot streak to carry on. Now you get some merch. For doing that, there is also a chance for your book to sponsor this show. Uh, we were sponsored by the fantastic people over at Faber Academy through March, which means for the next few weeks we got some spaces. If you want to sponsor the show just like they did, if you want your book to have a big old plug at the start of an episode, you can make that happen over at patreon.com forward slash writers routine. Right, let's get back to it then with Nick Petrie talking about his new book. It's the sixth Peter Ash novel. It's called The Breaker. Uh, In this part, we talk about the writing routine of the year, also why his first draft is normally pretty tight, uh, and we pick things up, chatting about the end of the day. Uh, When he's closed his laptop for night time, how good is he at switching off? I don't don't ever really want to switch off from the novel. Um... When it's really going well, it it just kind of is always there. It's it's um, you know I I try not to think about it actively when I'm done for the day. I try I, I, I'm not very good at this. This is something I just started trying uh, a couple of months ago, um, but I, I try to sort of figure out the problem I'm trying to solve for tomorrow. Right? Usually I stop working because. Well, sometimes I just run out of time, but but usually it's like okay, there's a scene coming up that I that that I haven't quite figured out how to do that, right? Um, and so so at, at four o'clock or five o'clock or six o'clock when I'm when I'm knocking off for the day, I say okay, here's here's the chore for tomorrow, and, and I and I give my unconscious an assignment. All right, so so think about this, but I try not to go for a walk and and you know crunch my brain. Okay. How do I do this? How do I do this? Like my first walk of the day, you know, at at two o'clock or so, I I will often be actively thinking about a problem. But at the end of the day, I just sort of say, okay, here's the, here's the challenge for tomorrow. And, and then that's almost, that's often all I have to do for my unconscious to churn its way through that. And then before I go to bed at night, I remind myself of what that is. And I let myself you know, I, I let my unconscious, which is much smarter than I am. So much of the work is done, I think, in the in the unconscious. Um, I, I just let that. You know, it's like running the dishwasher, and 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 going to run errands, right? I just I just let it work in the background, and maybe I read a book, or maybe I play cards with my wife, or uh, maybe I get on the phone with a friend, and then I and then I you know I I I try to be in bed at you know ten o'clock ten thirty. Uh, and then I get up and do it all over again. So if you're writing, you know, anywhere, but hopefully a thousand, but anywhere kind of between 700 and 1800 words, how perfect do those words need to be, Nick? I know that you're revising and tinkering every day, as you said, 
But are you, are you happy to, to just get out anything and get that first draft done? Well, I, I don't really only write one draft. By the time by the time I get to the last sentence in the book, um, I really only need about two weeks to tune up the to tune up the manuscript because I I really am doing a constant revision process. So um, on the on the on the cutting edge of the manuscript, I'm working forward. You know, my goal is to is to work forward as quickly as I can to get to the next piece of the story or to to work through some challenging aspect that's right in front of me or to write the fight scene or to write the argument between my hero and, and his sweetheart. And I'm just trying to get to, to move forward quickly and to do it, to do it as well as I can, but it's easy for me to obsess about, well, that sentence isn't quite right or that word isn't quite right. So like, if I can't decide on a word, I'll, I'll just write them all. Right. And I'll put them in brackets. Is it this word or that word? Um, and sometimes I'm, 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 uh, I'm editing myself so, so hard, right? That's that critical voice. You know, that's not right. That's not, you know, that my inner drill sergeant, who's really not a very nice person. Um, sometimes I'll just do it all in all caps or, or I won't do any quotation marks if I'm working on a, a long stretch of dialogue, um, just because it gets in the way. And so I try to do that. I try to move that piece forward as quickly as I can. And then the subsequent days, I go over it and over it and over it, because you know, I, you know, I know there are there are uh, crime writers who are all about the story, um, and I certainly am very interested in the story. But I'm also really interested in language and sentences, and I think I think that's why this series has has honestly has gotten as much traction as quickly as it has, because you know you. you the, the, the language, how good the sentences are, really affect how readers interact with the book. You, you, I, you don't want to catch them up with something that doesn't make sense. You want to make everything clear and vivid and visceral. Um, so, you know, I, I write crime fiction, and so there's, there's a lot of that stuff there. Um, so, and, and then if, like, if I get stuck at a point, which happens uh, with some frequency, um, if, if I sort of run into a wall... I ask myself, so it, often it's, 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 there's, a, there's a problem that I haven't identified. So at first I try to identify what that problem is so that I can solve it. If I haven't, then I start to go back. So maybe I made a wrong turn somewhere. Maybe I made the wrong choice. And my unconscious is saying, you can't go forward because this isn't the right way for this story to go. So then I back up a little bit until I find it. And sometimes I find it and sometimes I don't. Worst case, I go all the way back to the beginning of the manuscript. And sometimes that's 20,000 words or 40,000 words or 80,000 words. And I start to tweak and tinker and work my way back through because it's easy for me to forget, you know, sort of everything I've done before. And so it's, again, the, the, it's always evolving. And by the time I, and, and by the time I get to the end, the, that first, you know, if I write a hundred thousand word manuscript, by the time I get to the last word, the first 60,000, 70,000, 80,000 words are really pretty tight. That's interesting, though, very quickly, Nick, because you're a pantser, so you don't really know the plot, yet somehow you may have made the wrong decision somewhere down the line as if this plot is already there. You're just trying to work it free, if that makes yes, sense. Yes, I, I think that's true. Um, and I... I... <laughs> I wish I knew how it worked, but I don't. And I don't know that I actually really want to try very hard to figure that out. 
let's quickly talk about the writing routine of the year, if we can. You said that your publisher likes you, you to try and get th- out one a year. So when you've handed in the, the final completed draft of one novel, uh, how does 12 months from that look until you hand in your next novel? When will you get an idea? When will you start it? How long will you give yourself to, to kind of work out the, each, uh, the way that you do it? Well, bef- the, the first four novels uh, have been, were different from the way it works now. So it, it used to be that my book was due um, in early November, and, and the publishing date for the previous novel is in the middle of January. So then I would basically, I would, I would send it off to my editor in November and, and she may or may not send me something in the next couple of weeks, which I would look at and make some changes to, but not really dive into revisions. And I would do all of the preparation for publication. So I often write a couple of pieces for a publication somewhere else. Um, I've done a few things for Crime Reads. I've done a few things for Writer's Digest. Um, and I work on, um, again, previous books, I, I always gave a talk. So I would write my talk and think about what I wanted to say on tour and just kind of recover from the process of, you know, the, the, the last couple of months of writing a book are very intense. Um, and then when, when, the, when my book tour was over, I would, I would crank through my revisions and start the next book. But, but because my, my previous book, The Wild One, was so late, that's all been thrown up in the air. And now I'm trying to kind of work my way back toward my previous deadline, which is still supposed to be my deadline. But, um, but uh, so, so like now, for example, so I, 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 finished, uh, I finished the breaker in July instead of the previous November when it was due. Um, and uh, I uh, went on vacation with my family but I was already sort of, you know, when, when I'm about two-thirds of the way through a book, I, I begin to think about the next book because I'm often reacting to um, the constrictions of the book I'm working on to think about how I want the next book to be different. Um, and so I'm kind of building that sandcastle in my head. And I might make a few notes, but it's mostly just sort of percolating in the back of my brain. Um, and then in... Um, then in August, September, I, I really started to write uh, the, the breaker. Well, no, I started to write the new one in, uh, in August or September. And then I kind of have to call it quits in mid-December in order to start, you know, book tour stuff and Christmas stuff. And, um, and so now at the end, then, then book tour is, you know, is really kind of a two-week, sometimes a three-week thing. Um, between, between stuff I write ahead of time and, and, uh, you know, interviews like this, uh, and it's, it's a, it's a very different muscle writing for me is about sort of tuning into my subconscious and, and actively talking about the work. It's just a, it's just a whole different muscle. So it's hard for me to do both at once. Um, I, I like them both. It's just a very different process for me. And that is it for this week's Writer's Routine. Thank you so much to Nick Petrie for coming on the show. We didn't get much time to talk about the new novel, The Breaker, the sixth 
Peter Ash book. Uh, but it's a fast-paced, intelligent thriller, uh, and you can get a copy in the episode notes wherever you're listening and over at writersroutine.com too. Next week, we're chatting to Naomi Ishiguro about her debut novel, Common Ground, uh, which is a good chat that we, we get right into the into the weeds. Is it the weeds or the reeds? Whatever it is, we get into it. Uh, that's next week on Writer's Routine. In the meantime, you can support us at patreon.com forward slash writer's routine. Leave us a review if you listen over on Apple. Uh, and you can follow us on Twitter too, at Writer's Pod there. And I will see you next week with Naomi Ishiguro. Have a fantastic Easter, by the way, if you're celebrating. I hope you get to spend loads of time with your family. Like we need it after a year of being stuck at home. But it's always good to have a break. Uh, And I will see you next time with Naomi Ishiguro on Writer's Routine. It's next Friday. I will see you then. Bye. The biggest names in tennis are coming to Paris for the most anticipated Roland Garros in years. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled tournament access as the world's top players in tennis face off against each other. Will the veteran champions continue their dominance or will a fresh face emerge to challenge their legacy on the clay courts? Daily live coverage of this epic showdown begins Monday, May 20th. Don't miss a matchup. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.